Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Featuring Aaron Castro in Arizona, Liam Poach in Boston, and Craig Gradelli in New York City. For those of you new to the podcast, each week the guys share news, views, and abuse from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union, along with information on the USA national team. With all that said, let's get on with the show. Ah, how's it going, fellas? What you, what you guys do all week? Good evening. Me? Oh, I don't know. Let's watch some of this, uh, some tournament that was on. Forget the name. Uh, I blocked out Thursday morning. Didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I went ahead and watched some rugby. Uh, went and watched the uh, Mystic River D2 team take on the Wolfhounds. Unfortunately, that was a loss for them. But there was a few, or not a few, I guess, and there was one MLR player playing. And oh, Danny nice. Danny Collins, baby, had a great game. Nice. Um, what what do we have? We had, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, the If we're just talking about some club rugby, Nyack played 404. So outside of life, uh, the only team that 404 did not uh, – has not beaten is, is just them. And it was not a – it was not a. It was not a good score. Four oh four tearing it up in the ARP. Nyack, Nyack, and, and I know uh, the the New York guys going to say, "Hey, there weren't a lot of MLR players on that team." There, there were some. I mean, granted, I will say there are a hell of a lot more MLR players uh, compared to last year in the ARP for a single team playing in life and four oh four. So they should be molly whopping teams with you know five. MLR players, but it's still like, it's not even, it just looks really bad for the competition that, you know, a, a new brand new team basically, because some of the guys on this 404 team are, I, I guess, uh, you know, uh, Pat Clifton used to say, or says that there is talent hiding in America. Are, are you going to tell me half the 404 team is that talent hiding in America? <laughs> I mean, Granted, some of these guys can play. I, I have watched them play, and it, they can play. So hopefully, uh, you know, the guy. There's a guy from Crew Rugby Club. Hopefully, he gets a shot to play for Atlanta. Uh, you know, so it, it is. But it's it's really all about the, the one of the things I talk about in club rugby. It's all about coaching. If you have a good coach and an assistant or two, but you can actually teach the systems to players and you got a decent level of athlete, you're going to change, you know, anything. But if you don't have a good coach and you just have someone that is certified because there, there's a difference between being coach educated, which I am and being a good coach. And I think learn from other good coaches and, you know, most, most of the time, at least down in the D three ranks, what up? Uh, <laughs> It's the, the guy who's the coach on paper for the club is just a guy that went to the course because USA Rugby and the union, the local union require you to have a 200 level coach. So um, good for the 404. Uh, I think that's that, that really is going to say a lot for them. Just like I think the uh, uh, what was it the that um, uh <sighs> When uh, when will Earful of Dirt get our own app? Um, <laughs> yes, I w- I, I'm going right. to uh, 
I guess we're, we need to start a, a Kickstarter campaign. Mm-hmm. Because no, at, at the moment, there's not a whole lot of Kickstarter campaigns going around, so we need to make our own and fill that <laughs> void. I, uh, yeah, we. I mean, that would actually, that would actually be an okay idea. What costs to make an app? Mm-hmm. A couple grand. Ugh, yeah, it, it, it's the maintenance of it that you know. Yeah, is the most um, costly. Getting it thing. designed is not the problem. It's the hosting and the updating. But right, so what, we're doing a Kickstarter. What would, what would our headline number have to be? Uh, twenty-five grand. Maybe. <laughs> Sounds reasonable. Yeah. You know, not 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 a, not a number that's big enough to like do a huge project, but you know, just big enough for what we want to do. Yeah. So, um uh yeah, uh, uh Cardinals lost today. Uh, we're not going to do a football, <laughs> We're not going to do a football <laughs> podcast like we did last week. But um again, guys, there's a football podcast available in the EOD family if you ever want to stop uh, by. But did did <laughs> So, so, Craig, I know where you went for the game. Liam, did you go to a pub or a bar to watch the game? To watch the World Cup game at yeah. 6.45 in the morning? No, well, unfortunately. It's 3.45 over here, so, like, <laughs> it was. Did you guys even care about the World Cup? You guys didn't go to a bar? Uh, no, uh, so I, I actually watched the World Cup uh, in my living room at 6.45 in the morning. Luckily, uh, my, my parents had to get up early for work, so they were already kind of up and moving excellent. around. So I, you know, was full volume and very, uh, very into the game. And I think my neighbors might not have been excited about you know how you know my, my my level of enthusiasm for USA rugby. It's not exactly the Super Bowl. I don't think the whole world was aware that the USA was in the Rugby World Cup. But hey. God damn it, my neighbors are aware now. Hey, I think I love I love my man Nate Ebner for getting Golden Boy on side and you know being hyped. And he even bought his a USA Rugby Players Association back the boys shirt. Uh, so that was right, dude. That TV was twelve. Fun. Totally redeem yourself. <laughs> <laughs> took took a long time. Hey, I know. And the the best part about that video is that like Nate Ebner kind of has like all like the char- on camera charisma of like a block of wood, and then Tom oh. Brady is just like level ten with it. And so it was. It was a really cool dichotomy, you know. Like Nate Ebner, just a pure athlete, and Tom Brady is just the idol that he is. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but back to the game. Well, I, I did do an outline for the show, so uh, I guess I need to pull that up instead. We did have some user questions. Uh, I know Craig saw them, so I'll. I guess I'm going to sharpshoot Liam towards the end of the show with those, but. Uh, uh, I, I guess, Craig, are you fixing your angle? Is it better? I, I mean, every day I'm getting different tech tips here. We got the microphone. I tried to put a book under this thing. I mean, what's wrong with the angle? I think it's continuing about my chin dimple. You can, you can do what I do. You need to just get like a little side table and sit on the edge of your bed and just arch your back and give yourself back problems. It's <laughs> it, it's the only way to go. That's, that's I'm thinking about it. I mean, this is my, my workstation at home, but – uh, back in this room, you can't see it, but I have my kind of rug- – when I retired, I got a gift from my in-laws. That was kind of a rugby shrine. It was like pictures of my play- playing the game, like my old kit. 
it's all framed like an arm. Yeah, when a captain leaves his company, and you get a, a <laughs> yeah, unit. Yeah. Maybe maybe you can go into the baby's room. I'm sure there's like some stuffed animals you can use to like muffle, like you know, keep the sound in and stuff like that. Just crouch down in the corner. Except now, except now, Craig, since he's still uh, a big timer at uh, MYRC, he's now like a reservist. So he has these uh, like three games a year type duties going on apparently because he got called up like three weeks ago but then so how did scott how did ski not sky i can't believe i almost got it confused because victor totally implanted that in the back of my head but how did ski get like what was the last time he turned out for nyrc he's like i'm doing a thing yeah it's been a few years i'd say uh for ski uh, you know but i can recall at least ski my first game i would play new york Rugby club in 2014 Ski was uh, the starting lock. Um, I believe he's been doing a lot of coaching. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, he coaches a lot. So yeah. it was just kind of funny to see him actually strap the boots on to do something other than line a field. Um, but uh, to get into MLR news uh, this week, uh, the schedule is released. Uh, you know, the I guess the interesting thing is the there is a bunch of to-be-determines, although based on – uh, the based on the context clues out there, the not rumors, uh, I would say, because uh, there's a context clue from Utah in an email to season ticket holders, and oh, I think it was just to anyone on their email list now that I recall because I got the email. Uh, but uh, James Kennedy and a foreign sports publication, uh, sports business publication, talked about a a series of games in uh, Las Vegas. I it says to be determined, so we'll find out uh, if it is. It's not going to be a triple header, though. It looks like it would be a double header, unless he means triple header by his Over team just being out there three weeks in a row. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I think it might mean. That I know there's three TBDs, and the first one is New York Boston. And then both New York and Boston are TBD the next week. Uh, 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 New York, New England. New York, New England, baby. Pardon, baby. Please, please get it right. New York, New England, TBD the next week. And uh, that makes me think that they're just going to be in Boston for those two weeks. And that's three games, triple header, just over two weeks. That's that's my guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, honestly, uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm pretty excited about the concept of just neutral site games in general. Whether or, whether or not it turns out to be Vegas is kind of beside the point. Just I want to go like it, to Turks and Caicos. Let's just... <laughs> Let's let's expand to the Caribbean. Let's go to Honolulu, maybe the the Caymans. I'm, yeah, I'm Jamaica. Jamaica has a great rugby program right now with the Gators, or the the Crocs. Is it the Crocs or the Gators down yeah, there in Jamaica? The Crocs, yeah. The Crocs, yeah. I mean, but no, I, 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 honestly, I'm just excited about kind of like showcasing in front of different crowds in different cities right now because for the last few years, I feel like MLR. It, like the teams have been growing and growing and growing inside their own respective cities, but I feel like we we, we kind of need to branch out and get fans in from the kind of neutral territories and kind of gauge what other what other territories are worth expanding in. I think neutral site games like this are definitely a good way to find that out. But but what is it? What do you think it costs to fly a team somewhere? I mean. Is it like compared to a player's salary? Is it? I mean, it we're a professional league, though. We're a professional league, and we shouldn't be con- concerned with how much you know it, it costs to fly teams to, to fly players out. 
mean, owners should owners should have that money. Yeah, no, it definitely should be a consideration in some respects and over long term. But I don't see like the first you know maybe one or two games in a season at a neutral site game like really breaking the bank at that point. Uh, I you know I, I just I, I I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting idea, but I. No risk it, no biscuit, baby. I don't think we're necessarily in a place, uh, especially New York and New England being brand new and New York also struggling last season with attendance. Uh, you, you want to not take those fixtures away from those markets, whereas perhaps uh, established markets you would take on the road. Uh, the really the established markets right now, you would probably say Utah uh, is one of those. They are going to Vegas, uh, according to their email. So there's one. Um, uh, San Diego. Uh, I mean, they, they sold that. That they had more people at that game than they had uh, at the final, than they had at uh, you know the USA test that was in San Diego a couple of years ago, and then Seattle. Also, so those would be so, and maybe Glendale because they, their brand is really established. Those would be the four teams I would look at. Uh, Toronto had some really good uh, attendance uh, to to look at over time. So maybe them, especially because of the snow uh, that they have to deal with. But I, my my personal opinion is, like, whatever, uh, <laughs> you know, let's do this thing. Uh, Vegas does want sports. We do know that. Uh, we've seen that with the uh, the new stadium for the Las Vegas Aviators. Uh, Just scrum, baby. They got rebranded uh, for in baseball, and then they also have uh, the 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 Raiders and uh, the Golden Knights. So, uh, to be a Vegas sports book starts having lines on MLR. Therefore, our games are occurring in Vegas. I was interesting uh, result of that decision. I, you know, th- that's how you know that this league is set. When there's like when I can look at the the uh, the DraftKings sportsbook app and there's lines on. That they're doing lines, and I will say DraftKings does have lines on Rugby World Cup matches, so wow. that's really cool to see. I, I I couldn't believe it because there's almost no sports book in America that I know of that actually had lines like actual brick and mortar. If you went to Vegas, which was very weird, um, yeah, but a lot of lines on DraftKings. Uh, it makes wow. it the DraftKings app makes it much simpler to look at lines than uh, had to delete the DraftKings app. Man, took up too way too much room. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fantasy it's fantasy season, dude. I had to re-download ESPN fantasy, Yahoo fantasy. Oh Got to get that ESPN and NFL app in, man. <laughs> man, so uh, but yeah, uh, so so schedule uh we're gonna try and do a good breakdown of each team's schedule it's actually right now it's kind of difficult because we're in a place where the uh, the rosters are still pretty fluid over time where i i think it'll be until year five that rosters are really fluid just because of you know one of the bigger issue one of the bigger issues for a new league is is dealing with your salary cap so that it's sustainable and right now we're just trying to get enough elite athletes because uh, that's 
onto full-time contracts so that we can have a stable player group over time. And so, yeah, kind of like you say, like with that whole full-time aspect, it's difficult to, you know, what it's difficult to stabilize roster when a lot of players, you know, see this league as like a stepping stone as a possible pathway to Europe or something like that. So, you know, you, you want to build that core group of talented players, but unfortunately those talented players are looking for greener pastures. And by greener, I mean, ching. Well, it's actually not that big of a stepping stone for, for the American players, for the, for the Europeans for the, though, for the non-American players, it, because of it's about the, playing time, the lack of, I would say lack of visa restrictions under the coal pack, which is developing countries. So if you're in South Africa or the Island nations, yeah, they'll probably, they, they may look at it as a, a, a stepping stone league, but really we're, we're trying to build an American competition and the foreign players are here to, to really just raise the domestic level by giving them harder competition day in and day out. So, so this will try well, we will do schedule breakdowns and sort of previews of them, but we need more data uh, when it comes to uh, to teams. So be like New England and release your entire roster. Uh, moving on to player signings, uh, you guys can take a look at this. We only had two re-signings, and then we had some moves made as well. Uh, JP Duplessis uh, re-signed with San Diego, the outside center who was back of the year. And yep. then John Sullivan for New Orleans. Some uh, some stats on the the, uh, the pair of those guys. JP Duplessis last year, uh, heading into the finals, he had seven tries of 137 carries, 1,068 total meters, averaging about 60, 66.8 a game. I w- I'll round up there. And uh, 12 tackle breaks. John Sullivan for NOLA. Didn't have a whole lot of eye-popping statistics offensively. Uh, 70 tackles total on the season, nine dominant. Um, offensively, 14 carries, 100 total meters going into uh, week 19 of last season. So good re-signing just, you know, you know uh, in terms of depth, try to shore up that defense, which unfortunately was this really talented team's downfall at the end of last season. So so the, the New York team did not try to get Western New Yorker John Sullivan to the city, it seems, Craig. <laughs> they could, they could not hail their boy. Yeah, he's, if I'm uh, I think he's had a pretty epic mustache the last couple of years. So it's, always, it's a shame to not be able to pull that stash up here into New York, but uh, you know, I see you out there, Sully. It's not too late. So, uh, you know, I was talking to uh, an Eagle mom, um, Emily Henrik's mom had retweeted me and was like, you know, it's probably the only professional athlete that Orchard Park will ever have. John Sullivan. Actually, no, because I would say her daughter being a a capped eagle is a professional athlete per se, because she's also an NCAA rugby player. So we're not going to we're not going to get into that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, the signings this week, uh, it's not Rhino. It's Rhino Eckstein although it is spelled R-Y-N-O. Um, he, to C- the Seattle Seawolves, he is a fly half fullback. Uh, he comes out of the Free State Cheetahs playing in Pro 14, also played with Free State 15 in the Curry Cup and came out of the Stormers Academy and has a single cap with the Stormers like a handful of years ago. Uh, 
You know, so so what do you think? Guys, think about that. Uh, when I think about the the fly half position for Seattle, uh, it, you know, they had Sema. Sema was injured a bunch, and so that meant that JP Smith had to play fly half instead of playing scrum half. And although Scott Dean was on the roster, I think he played like five minutes. Uh, so they're really they, they needed fly half depth, big yeah. time. And definitely. I think this and, gives them and, that. Yeah, no, definitely. And honestly, um, like looking into Eckstein's past, um, he, he he hasn't played a whole lot in the in the last few years. He's just kind of been roster depth. Uh, he topped out um, for the Cheetahs in 2017. Uh, I think it was 13 appearances, 21 total points. So it's going to be interesting to see if he gets more playing time with Seattle and to see what his true ceiling actually is. Because up, up until this point, it hasn't seemed like he hasn't gotten the most playing time, you know, that yeah. he possibly could. It's, it seems a little strange. I mean, again, we don't really know the full rosters yet, but presuming Ben Seaman's returning to Seattle, you know, a move from South Africa to the U.S. is a big move. You don't think you're going to be the starting fly half. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if either Seema perhaps is out or uh, X-Team just has confidence in himself that he's going to win that job. But, um, yeah, that, that – uh, just strange. move to the U.S. because it's the United States. People just want to come here. That's what they keep telling me. And I, I'm like, okay, cool. I don't <laughs> the East Coast. <laughs> oh, oh. So Craig's like, hey, hey, if you want to be a backup, man, come to Rooney, man. Come yeah. to New York. That's right, the Big Apple. <laughs> no, baby, nothing's better than Beantown, though. Dude, come you want to come to the east, you gotta to come to where America both, began. Both, both you wanna to come to America, you gotta to come to where it was founded. Both expensive cities. Uh your your two your two cities. Um they, then we're going this was a big this was a big signing. Uh Daniel Faliafa uh to Austin Hurd. He is a lock flanger. He is currently with Tonga at the World Cup, I believe. Uh, he is, I think it's 11. Num- he is Ikali Tahi, number 1138. Uh, I might have that wrong, um, but I have it right on Twitter. Uh, he's played in the Mitre 10 with Northland and I think Manawatu. And, and uh, then- Albi. Albi oh. in France. Uh, se- se- uh, 70 appearances, 45 total points. Yeah, so... Pro D, he's been in the Pro D2 and in the championship most recently. Uh, you know, there it's, uh, it's, uh, it's really Austin, again, is having the most turnover in the league. But this is a this is quality play, yeah. especially for the – They're making good signings in Austin, so, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, after no one's 16, I think fans are going to expect a whole lot of t- turnover because that at least shows that they're trying to get better and they're taking steps to learn from their mistakes. So, yeah, no, good on Austin. Yeah. We're, we're doing what you got to do. So, uh, and here is one of the bright spots leaving Austin and going to New York in JP Aguirre. Uh, he is a fly half slash center. He was an all American at Lindenwood and he was with Austin this last year, as I mentioned. Uh, and he was a bright spot losing him is, you know, I, I want to see what they bring in, in the centers. Yeah. And the fly has, I think, you know, again, you don't know for sure. I think, it was uncertain if Kyle Marsh would come back next year. I think it's a little more likely that he does, but Kyle Marsh also had injury problems, and when he was out, New York was you know, going through a, a rogues gallery of fly halves to fill in. So, um, 
I mean, he's he's also a former sevens player as well, so he's able to play that quick ball. And Cahill Marsh, you know, that was definitely one of his talents. Um, you know, two-time collegiate All-American as well, so definitely a big ceiling on him. Um, then moving on, uh, the last signing from this last week, and then we got a cut. We'll talk about that one. Uh, Michael DeWall. Uh, from South, he's South African. I was le- I was reading my Dewall notes right there. I'm, <laughs> I'm an idiot, dude. I mean, Aguirre is has played I, sevens. And no, no, has, I, I know. I just, I just, I, I didn't a, scroll down. An All American. And... So I mean, it's not completely wrong. Like JP's played but, plenty of sevens. Um, Michael Dewall, uh, he's a flanker, uh, two-time All-American out of Lindenwood. Interestingly, he is the back row mate of Wesley White, uh, also two-time All-American at Lindenwood. So I guess maybe they're just taking the entire Lindenwood back row and putting it in Austin to see. Hey, man, I mean, up until MLR, college was honestly like, you know, like the nearest professional level you could get. Uh, you know, in like in, in American rugby in Lindenwood, it's pretty well documented. They have one of the best coaching staffs in collegiate rugby. They have some great facilities, trainers. You know, they always have access to other great, really good coaches for clinics and stuff like that. I would love to stack my team with Lind- uh, with, with Lindenwood players. You know, if I was building for the future. And there's a lot of Lindenwood players in the league. Mm-hmm. Like a lot. Yep. Uh, shout out to Gabe Romero, former hooker for the Houston SaberCats. Split allegiances out of poacher over there. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm still friends with people, man. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing on this guy, huh? No. All right. All right. So this is the big transaction of the week for for anyone not paying attention. Uh, Stefan Armitage uh, was cut from the San Diego Legion uh, following a sexual assault conviction, in which he received a six month suspended sentence, but a you know, five thousand euro, five thousand dollar fine, or five thousand euro fine. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, uh, good, you know, good decision there. Uh, I, I, pretty, pretty, pretty easy decision, but at least it wasn't yeah. dragged out. There was no kind of like we're gonna wait and see and gather facts. Like, no, it's. I mean, you know, it it, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was convicted, I, I suspended mean, it, sentence. You it don't was, get it was, to. It was a decisive move. This happened yeah. less than twenty four hours afterwards yeah I mean, they, would have been, they would have been insane to not cut him with a, a assault conviction mm-hmm. and, and you know people are like you know did they know that he was charged because based on when the incident was i mean if it happened I overseas i honestly so wouldn't be surprised if they didn't they signed him in july and when the supposed incident happened last year I don't think this was like published that he was charged because it was a misdemeanor or something. Because if they knew, they wouldn't have signed him. Yeah. Well, if they knew, why would mm-hmm. and then I, they caught him? What would be the point? I, I also think there's different laws about like reporting on ongoing cases in Europe. I could be wrong, but well, yeah. Like the reason why you know these things happen, the reason why most people find out about these uh, in the U S is because there's like things get leaked, right? Mm-hmm. Because most of the time it, it's like, Oh shit. I saw him get arrested. And then mm-hmm. a reporter goes, okay. And they submit a FOIA to the police department. And then that has to go through lawyers and then police, you know, submit a statement. Like that's how that works. 
Um, but uh, yeah, a decisive move. Uh, hey guys, uh, if you're gonna, you know, get drunk, um, don't be a freaking misogynistic creep. Leave the ladies alone. Yeah, I don't. that's all I gotta say. Breaking the law. Just, just, just don't grab people where they don't want to get grabbed. It's, if it's you, if you have any questions, um, just go to a go to a gay bar. I hundred percent, you will understand what consent is right then and there. Um, because now don't get hit in the face. <laughs> oh no, no, just, just believe me. Oh, okay. <laughs> Once you go in, you'll understand what your own personal boundaries are and what you should expect. From other right. people. <laughs> Next week, we ask for questions. Somebody asked Liam to tell a story that he's referencing. <laughs> oh man! Uh, all right. So now to the to the big stuff, the important stuff. Uh, you know, it was interesting. You know, we had this discussion about Italy versus Canada last week, and you guys wouldn't believe me. Although Craig's Superbrew predictions definitely favored his Italian brothers. Uh, in this fight, he did not. He did not believe in Canada as much as his mouth did. Uh, I, I'm, I'm for one. I'm shocked that Canada lost. I, I'm. Uh, I, I. I mean, I did not uh, believe that they were going to get beat this that bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, their last test against the Eagles in September, they certainly had a lot of fire. Uh, they had a lot of intensity. Things they were looking as good as they've looked in recent memory. So it seemed like maybe they were coming in here at a good moment. Um, but you know, again, they you know they didn't really they didn't really live up to that moment of that what was happening. So they, the score ended up being very similar in, in magnitude to the USA England score. Uh, so I I feel you Canadian fans. Uh, just a lot of the same problems too. Just a lot of the you know, but but at the same time I feel like I know the U.S. team a little bit more, so it was just more rage inducing. Whereas with Canada, it's just like eh, that's what it, more I, I or less mean, what I expected. The, the score, watching the game, it was they didn't have that physical identity and didn't have that physical energy about them because. When I look at it, and we'll talk about this in the U.S. game, they just had nothing. They had nothing. And Italy rested a bunch of players in this game, and they just rolled. Yeah. Uh, like, it was not even uh, – I'll tell you what, Italy's actually playing fairly well, too, uh, for a team that's also had their own struggles. They're ranked low in the U.S. now. I don't know, 15, something like that. Um you know, they've, had, they've had some pretty rough times themselves. I think they're having a decent World Cup so far. They've played yeah. two lowest teams in their pool, but uh, you know they've looked pretty. Convenient. Meanwhile, we're starting out with the two highest teams in our pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Like for Italy, it's. I mean, they they've got like it's built up for them. I I think their success is about to go like this. Um, Canada's probably going o four um, straight up. I, I do. Like, Buona I, fortuna, Italia. I think Namibia is going to beat them. Uh, I, I sort of said that from the beginning, but uh, yeah, it's just interesting. You know, every time they talk about um, the six nations and why there should be promotion and relegation and uh, you know, every time Georgia gets the chance uh, or somebody gets the chance uh, since Italy has been in the six nations, 
no tier two country, at least continental, a continental tier two country recently in the last five years has been able to beat, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, they're they're, they're, they, they're winning the uh, you know, these potential relegation type matches like Georgia and uh, this you know, convincing win over Canada. Yeah, what is there to say? Canada, we'll look forward to Namibia. I think you can beat Namibia. Uh, the rest of the pool might be pretty tough. Uh, you know. Oh, don't 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 mind our silence. We're just reading our private chat on the side because oh, we have so, absolutely hey, no. Hey, 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 hey! <laughs> I didn't see that score. So, um, Mystic beat Old Blue this weekend. Did he get? Did, do we have a score? I didn't uh, see. I, I, I do not have a score on me. However, uh, you know. Word, uh, well, word, word from word from uh, inside the Free Jacks office is that uh, you know a few of the players had some uh, pretty good, pretty good games, uh, including uh, Quentin New- Newcomer and Eric Thompson. Um, you know, Quentin Newcomer, of course, a uh, pretty young guy uh, coming in, uh, great forward Newcomer, player. Yeah, yeah and uh, Eric Thompson, um, scrum half, uh, he's, he's going to be splitting time, presumably with all Oliver Englehart. Uh, and so, yeah, no, two two really exciting guys um, that that are going to be worth building on. Of course, Eric Thompson is from the area. Uh, newcomer is an uh, is an import. Got to know him a little bit at Lawn on D a few weeks ago at a free jack event. Um, you know, so both you know both uh, as well as Geist also had a uh, also had a great game. So three really good players. Um, you know, the free jacks are going to be excited about for twenty twenty. Uh, so moving to the the U.S. game. So I didn't know what we were trying to do. But we put out a good team. Like, well, we put out what I would say a first team, except maybe the backup tight head who ended up having to play 78 minutes. Um, and, and given the fact that he'd played 10 minutes of rugby in basically five months, like, well, 10 minutes of, match, of a match in basically five months and had dealt with a pretty substantial leg injury. Ali Khalifi played very well. Now, uh, how, how how long was it exactly into the match though? Was it was it less than five minutes? That it was less than five minutes. Two minutes and change. It was less than five minutes. Yeah, uh, terrible. Might have the scrum might have happened at like minute three. And now, so David Anu hurt two and a half minutes in, sent home our nineteen-year-old, you know, future star prop here, getting his first World Cup experience. Last two minutes, and he gets a ticket back to America. So I think it's that's a real bummer. I mean, Dan, Dan Cole like like took him down. He got one like, took him team. down. Took it like took the scrum down, and then folded him in half. Like, <laughs> yeah, like let, that let, was. Let, let's just say I think there was some tier one benefits of the doubt. Oh, uh, there were in, in, in the officiating of, for this match. There was a lot of tier one benefits of the doubts in this one. Can, can, can we can we create an acronym or something like that? Uh, I guess I mean tier like, one doubts. Tier. We're thirty seconds into this. No, ten seconds into this game. You know, there's a red card offense, which apparently, according to the judicial officials, has been deemed a yellow card offense. But they, if you apply the decision tree or the flow chart that World Rugby put out there about high tackles, shoulder to head is a red. Period. Yeah, but but well, especially if there's no uh you know attempt to rap either. Well, no, and well, it's like it's not even about attempting to rap. It's like degree of danger, uh, 
is it high yeah. no shoulder no no head contact yellow head contact red I mean, yeah. it's not about like I don't think Piers Francis was trying to, you know, whack him like the like the boys did in Mighty Ducks one to Adam Banks, but and, and there are parallels here because he what Will Hooley was like the under twenties captain for England like six years ago, so I mean there 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 is parallel to to that whole scene from Mighty Ducks one, but uh. And I brought that up uh, earlier. Two Mighty week. Ducks references in one episode is a success. Yeah. In yeah. Book. So, uh, but yeah, like my biggest issue is they didn't even apply the law. Get get the call wrong, but apply the law. Like it, they didn't even. It was just like, uh, you know, moving on. No, you know, he he got up. Okay, let's let's play on. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's. It's very inconsistent how it's been applied in this World Cup. I think, you know, it, we've talked about this before. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it just keeps seeming to me like they wanted to have this zero-tolerance approach, but red cards are just so detrimental to a team's chance of winning that match that even if you were getting officials to use that nuclear option in premiership matches or whatever, even international you know, test friendlies over the summer or what have you, um, coming to the World Cup, I think the fishing crews are just too reluctant to use that same nuclear option in a World Cup test. So you're getting just all over the place results in terms of officiating. Some things look like obvious reds or just penalties. Some things that look like, you know, penalties or like cards or I don't know. It's just it's impossible to predict right now. So something has to be sorted here. I, I love I love the uh, uh, so Pierce Francis. Uh, Whoever the legal team is, because you have to have legal teams for these. So I want, I'm not going to be an attorney, but I want to find out the pathway for an attorney to become like a representative for, for an athlete during a judicial hearing, because you just want to see what's going on. These things are wild. (laughs) Uh, But so Quill goes in and he's like, yeah, I did it. I'm sorry. Um, I didn't really hear the whistle. Um, it was really stupid. Um, so yeah, um, I'm sorry. And Faz goes, yeah, I didn't really hear the whistle either. And I'd already lost my balance. And this is like the, the England doctor, like it was nothing like his nose. It was already gone. Who cares? (laughs) He's a rugby player. He was already missing that body part. (laughs) The best. This quote was in the samurai war. <laughs> this quote of this game, of this thing happened at the after. I mean, Blaine, uh, Blaine and Gary had, were very quotable in their post match stuff. But the best one of it was, you know, Owen Farrell. He's lost his nose out there on the pitch somewhere. It's probably on the Barbie uh, <laughs> by the Japanese. And you know, his he's he's a. He's married and he's a young father, so he ain't going out trying to pick up any chicks tonight in Kobe. I was like, like what? I loved your accent, by the way. That was phenomenal. <laughs> I, th- I think it was pretty good. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the compliments there. But um, back to the game. You know, I don't know what our game plan was. And I think, well, based on watching what we did play, we tried to play a high skill territory game. And I think it was a poorly executed because we didn't get the balls to bounce correctly. 
but I think it was a bad game plan. Given how skilled their back line is, like they all of them can kick, all of them can exit, all of them can like recycle and like have world class speed to come out of of their backfield. That giving up the possession pretty much every time is the reason why we scored one try. We didn't even commit to running our attack. Garbage time try. Maddening. It was maddening. I mean, there wasn't much possession to go around, but every time we had possession, we either kicked it away or lost our own line out. It was the most infuriating. I I mean, when did we – until that try at the death, did we ever even hold the ball inside the England 22? I I mean – there's literally no attacking threat. The, the, entire- the, the most frustrating thing to me is I don't think I saw like one offensive series last more four or five phases. It just felt like there was no continuity on offense. So no, I don't that think there was, was I, I don't true. think there was an opportunity to get inside and go where we scored to. a try where we scored a try was the only time that we were committed to the attack and we were down a man and we did, we did that for pride for personal pride, but that was the only time we were committed to running the attack and trying to gain ground because you know we weren't a, we weren't about to allow England to be arrogant because they were and scored really humbled them. Well, <laughs> I, I, no, I mean, brought them down to earth. Like screw those guys being up, you know, forty-five to zero, and in extra time going, yeah, let's put another one on them. Instead of, hey, man, you know, when it comes already, to the final point tally. You already had Quilly, you know, lower the boom on Farrell. Do you want, like, one of these other frustrated guys to, to do something stupid? No, we don't. That serious. That play was absolute chaos. It's not like, you know, we just ran a bunch of really smart lines and moved the ball. Oh, no, no. I'm it, it, was, it was like five turnovers. Oh, I thought there was a knock-on in the middle of it. I thought we yeah. knocked it on. And, like, no, like the, the, the line just was like, play on. This play dead no matter what happens. <laughs> knocked him out. Yeah, just keep playing. Oh, good. USA scored. Now we're and then Bryce Campbell goes over. Uh, you know, good for him. His, his first World Cup try. Good for him in the first game we played. Um, so, uh, yeah. The only thing that I looked at that is given how immense England were is our defense. Yeah, we had to tackle a lot. I think we had to make 150 tackles. Yeah. But if our defense wasn't one for England, because we didn't our defense wasn't as good as it was, we would have lost by 80 points. Yeah. Because they they were all over the place. Like they, they could do, they could almost do whatever they wanted. They could put the ball anywhere. Um, they could, they out physical us. I, I think we, you know, we we just couldn't finish tackles. Uh, I feel like there was just a lot of feeble, like you know, bear hug attempts, and then then like, then there was no support on those tackles. Everybody assumed that the teammate was going to be making the tackle one on one, and these England players, like you know, yeah, you know, they they, they, you know, they, they would just barrel on through. What what you definitely saw was. You know, we have a few Division One pro players, and the rest are basically what you would consider Division Two, like well, players playing in a Division Two professional league, and that was the that was the difference. And and Claire, I do agree that the open field defense was one of our better 
uh, elements. I think it's something like seventy six percent tackle rating. Let's seventy seven. I'd like to see you know. To me, a good game is something over 80, so it's not a great number, but it, it was at least comparable to England's number. Um, but that's open field defense we're talking here. Mall defense was atrocious. It was it was about as good as Qui-Gon Jinn's. Yes. <laughs> I mean, okay, so the mall, the mall, whether it was the, the set piece, the set piece for us, whether it was out of the scrum or the mall was awful. Like we we were awful. Like we lost. I I don't. Did we get one? Did we get one mall? I think or not mall, but did we get one line out? Because I, I I think we I'm, got I, one. I, I'm not sure. I, I, def- I definitely saw some steals in there. But my, think- my biggest issue with the mall though is on two instances. England would start rolling the mall and they would start gaining ground, and U.S. players would you know be pushing, bushing, and then they would start to roll off, and then they wouldn't you know, go back around to rejoin, they would just, right. again, they're just assuming that the support will be there, but everybody was just assuming the support Our was going to be there and nobody like, actually took yeah, action. They, they just weren't engaged. Like, Our mall defense was atrocious. Yeah, and I wonder, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a minute here, but, yeah, when, when I, and I listened to Gary Gold's press conference and he gave a different set of reasons, but I, I was wondering if the uh, inclusion of Nate Brakeley is partly a response to the set piece Problems. You got a tall, rangy guy like that. I feel like he's the type of guy that uh, might be a little better, you know, reaching over the mall and grabbing that ball carrier. He's the same size as Ben Landry. He's taller than Ben Landry. They're the same size. And Ben Landry has him by 20 pounds. I don't want to see none of that. Uh, I, I don't know. But so we, it was our, our yeah, set piece was, was a mess. Uh, I, when I get down to it, though, everyone has uh, just seeing the different like comments out there. Everyone has their own idea. I think people talked about fitness and and skills. Like we're not skillful enough. And we're not fit enough. Well, pretty sure we're we're decently fit enough. This is the most fit they've ever been. This is the most skilled team they've ever been. So yeah, we we're not as fit as England. We're not as skillful as England. Okay, cool. Let's let's get past that because that's like low level cannon fodder, right? They hit us in the mouth, and we just backed up. We just rolled backwards the entire game. They just kept hitting because one of the things they didn't do against Tonga was run through the middle of the field and and be physical, and that's what they did against us. They used their ball carriers, and they just they just got after it. Yeah. So, you know, tough one. Uh, tough to be out. Uh, yeah, I was at the, uh, the pig and whistle on my back of my head on TV there. I hope my, uh, my oh. boss was watching as uh, <laughs> I started pushing the beers off the screen where I saw the camera and I was like, oh, slide this Guinness over a little bit. Uh, and now you're just admitting it on air because, you know, did you get the guy was out of the bag. Did you get compliments for that jacket at work? Uh, I did get a few compliments uh, for the uh, the NYRC blazer that I wore. I was with 15 or so NYRC people, none of whom wore their blazers. I We talked about wearing the blazer in advance. I went through this whole process of bringing a <laughs> blazer to before work so that I'd have one if I had a client meeting or something. And I was the only person who wore it. So. That sucks. Uh, so 
moving on to the previews, I, I think we've you know sort of beat that dead horse uh, overall. Uh, so Canada versus New Zealand. Actually, I think New Zealand. Let's I am going to choose uh-huh. New Zealand to win this game. <laughs> it's a, it's I don't want to be bold, but <laughs> I think New Zealand. I think their their roster is out. Let me over under and. Canadian fans, don't take this the wrong way because it would be the same where they were playing the U.S. But uh, over, under, All Blacks, 65 points. Yeah, I'm going to go All Blacks. Team naming is minus 49. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to Canada. They keep it on. They, they, they prevent the 50 burger. Minus spread, you're saying. Yeah, I mean, so, so yeah, the 50 spread. I mean, I would still call that a 50 burger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,. 65. Can they win by 65? Yeah. All Blacks win by 65. I'll play All Blacks by 60. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a bloodbath. If, if the Italy game wasn't a bloodbath, yeah. it's, it's going to be a bloodbath. I mean, sometimes life comes at you fast. So we might have <laughs> drawn the overall pool of death, but at least we don't have to play New Zealand. If New Zealand gets red card on the first play, the way that and was- every other play after that for like the next six phases, Canada <laughs> might have a chance. <laughs> yeah. I I would pick New Zealand if they had thirteen men on the pitch. I would do, but what would the spread be? That's what I was gonna get at. Uh, if they lose a man in the first minute. Do they keep it within forty? Does Canada keep it forty? Like forty. Oh man, it's pretty it's pretty rough. Uh, so let me see. So the All Blacks haven't released their roster. Let's see if France Rugby has released their roster before I go into. Look at the USA way ahead of the game, just releasing roster. Yeah, I, I love this. I love that. No we're games, releasing, baby. Just just releasing rugby. a roster. So yeah, no Jue, no Jue de France. Uh, but uh, just to pull the U.S. one back up, there are some changes. Uh, Eric Fry doesn't get the start at tight head. Um, I'm glad uh, that he's getting the start at tight head. I think it's very important um, because I, I really think based on just Gary Gold's comments, based on the, and his selections, that uh, Eric Fry is, is you know the number one at loose head prop and – then we'll get another change at uh, number four, left lock, Nate Brakely in for Ben Landry, who has been dropped. Uh, he's basically being rested based on what Gary Gold had to say is they've just been pushing each other uh, neck and neck, and uh, w- he wants to give Nate Brakely a shot. Um, it's nothing that Ben did, did because he played very well. Um, and then – uh, Tony Lamborn stays at six, but Hanko Hamashice will start at open side. And then uh, moving on to the backs, the only change, well, there's two changes. Bryce Campbell starts for Paul Lissike, who is out with an ankle injury. They're being precautionary at this moment. Uh, and uh, Mikey Teo is starting at fullback with uh, Will Hooley out and in return to play protocol from the concussion he uh, suffered on Thursday. And then uh, on the bench, a whole bunch of changes. Uh, ben Pinkelman uh, is uh, coming in as our reserve flanker and Will McGee and threaten Palamo. So uh, Threatened, Will, McGee, baby. Here we go. Will, McGee, 
or uh, fly half fullback all rounder. Uh, Gary likes him a bunch, uh, and and threats. You know, he's just been he's just been moving his way back since he came to uh, the SaberCats. Yep. Yeah, I mean, look, I like this lineup. I may like this lineup better than our first choice or our first test lineup, to be honest. Uh, I personally am a big fan of having Mikey Teo in there. I just think – I think look at England perfectly. Perfect example. I mean, we just – we need people who have the ability to generate some sort of attacking momentum on the ground, and Mikey Teo does that in spades. Um, so I like having him in there. I think Honko does it too, to be honest. So I like having him in there as well. I uh, love the bench. Thread Palamo is another guy to me that has some electricity in his attacking ability with ball in hand. So I think either by forced by circumstance or um, just changing, you know, taking a slightly different approach. This looks like a roster that can run and carry the ball and create a little more attacking momentum. So um I yeah, I, you know, um, it, it does the, it does the job. Uh, it, I, I want to see it's it's France, so Le Crunch is coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my my big my my big concern for this game though is just the way France plays their game. Is they're going to play a lot of fastball, and I feel like when England started to play up tempo, that's when our defensive alignment like really began to get really began to get out of place when we started leaving a lot of big holes open, especially on the outside, and especially as the game wore on, our pursuit to the outside just wasn't good. So I I, I, re- I would really like to see our stamina last a little bit longer because I feel like France is going to try to pull some fancy shit on us, uh, and, you know, and especially towards the end of that game, well, if they start pulling those kind of tactics, they could start laying on the points. So the spread I saw this morning was I'm, I'm pulling it up yeah I'll, I'll tell you right now using uh hope we're getting a draft king uh, sponsorship after this <laughs> yeah. hey DraftKings, let's go hit us Be- up become a partner become a partner okay. i mean or hulu i heard hulu just dumps like you know big barrels of money on people and i i could go for that yes Ooh. whoa 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 so the spread Man, a bunch of money must be coming in on France. The spread this morning was at minus 24 and a half for France. It is okay. now minus 25 and a half. So um, if you're um, degenerate, uh, that's what me and my gambler friends call ourselves. Although I only do stocks. I will say this a million times. I don't do both. Craig does both, though. So if you want to know learn about betting um, – He'll, he'll tell you all about it. But I do follow gambling a lot. And uh, so money coming in on the French. What do you think about that? I'm going to say France minus 30 on the U.S. My, yeah. that's, my, that's my personal spread. Yeah, I, honestly, I like the spread at 25. Uh, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with uh, France by 25. Yeah, I, I, I like the spread I put up. Uh, against England last week, which was twenty-seven, but that—that's a—that's a good line. I so um, we have a team that can cover this, but the question is, do we do we let ourselves get hit in the mouth and not recover? Because that's the one thing we didn't do last week is go through our recovery system. 
That's the one thing we didn't do last week. We just yeah. stayed That's down. Hard to recover when they can just maul 80 meters at will. I mean, <laughs> there is no recovery system for that except therapy. Uh, <laughs> except seeing, seeing the sports psychologist that grind yeah. your eyes out. So the same guy that uh, Roberto uh, Roberto Aguayo saw. He yeah. famously went to it. But I, you know, if we could, I think, you know, the USA needs to. I, I wrote an article about this in the Runner Sports, but the USA needs to. To me, number first thing, they need to have more success in the set piece. If you're just getting abused in the set piece, I think the psychological damage of that is so high that for someone like the U.S. who's looking to be an upset, you know, a Cinderella story. You need, you know, like the psychological edge. You can't be getting psychologically beat down all game. Um, so I think they just, you know, I don't well, think Fred's good at set pieces in England. So, I mean, it's, it's also just it's just bad for your offensive flow too. If you if you keep on getting beat in the set piece, you're not going to be able to set up a really good offensive uh, platform. You're not going to be able to run your good starter plays or really get into any of your good micro plays. You're just going to be playing reactionary rugby, and reactionary rugby is exactly the kind of place where you make mistakes. Well, don't get me wrong. There's great plays that are made in it. Champagne rugby it, like tends to happen in these instances, but that's where offsides. That's where dangerous tackles. That's where just all hell breaks loose in the breakdown is when you're not playing to a game plan. You're just kind of going off instinct. Looking yeah. at what we did last week and, and like based on how we played and deducing a game plan from that, I I want us to commit to running the attack and execute like working like getting in position to use our platform, but not just kicking the ball away every time you're pinned because. By not running the attack and building off that platform, it really, I think, dude, like with that part of the game plan, it took away from any confidence that we could generate uh, yeah. to going to you to build upon in that game. So, what I want to see us do is just commit to running our attack and be more situational when we kick the ball for territory because. If you do it all the time, you're just you're on the back foot the entire time. And again, France has very talented backs that can kick all over the place, so they'll win their exits. And then you're going to be at your 22 again and playing more defense. Right. Totally agree. My number two thing in that article was we need to control the ball both more effectively and for longer periods of time. I mean – these other teams, especially for you know, for Tonga, maybe I'd have a slightly different opinion. But for France and Argentina, these teams are on a neutral day. They're better than us. Let's be serious. They're better than us. They're more skilled, and the longer the ball's in their hands and not ours, the better chance that they're that's going to find its way uh, into the game. You know, if we want to win against a better team, we have to keep the ball away from that team more than we, we even tried against England. I mean, it wasn't even. You said, you know, every time we're pinned, Aaron, but it's like we weren't even pinned. It was – we ran three phases in midfield. We're like, oh, we didn't gain any meters that phase. Let's, let's kick it. Uh, yeah, there was no- Oz McGinty is the big, you know, culprit behind the, ah, uh, oh, fuck it, let's just kick it, you know, state of mind. Well, I would say Eagle Scrum Halfs most guilty people of the, ah, oh, screw it. Let's just <laughs> kick it at midfield at a ruck. Let's just yeah. box kick. Let's just – I'll do a grubber. You will recover it. 
Yeah, like, <laughs> it works every time. They just, just box kicks right to English backs with no kick chains. Like what? I, it just made it, it was very frustrating. I'm still so. frustrated, as you can see. Um, yeah, so you, you just so got that, that New Yorker flair, just like, are you kidding me, kid? So that's it. Play physical defense. Commit to the attack. Don't give up possession when you have the ball at midfield. Because you need to gain confidence so that we are humming for when we play Argentina and Tonga. Because we were not humming in round one. No. Uh, I think that covers it, guys. Uh, anything else? Nada. Uh, with, with that said, thanks for uh, joining me uh, this afternoon and evening, guys. And uh, catch you uh, next week after we've... Uh, Hopefully, beaten France. Oh no, beat the book. That's we just need to beat the book until we play Tonga. If we can beat the book until we play Tonga, I'll be happy. But that's it. See y'all next week. On our way out, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby, its teams, or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam Poach is employed by the New England Free Jacks. Their opinions are their own. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Connect with your hosts throughout the week on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Or email your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week. Until then, get out there and enjoy some rugby.